we have poisoned ourselves almost. We're poisoning ourselves. And so because of that lack of energy to see things in more optimistic ways, we just become depressed. But it's because we're what we're putting in our bodies. That's actually why they call exercise a keystone habit. It's because the moment you start changing that and you start feeling better because of the exercise, it has this knock-on effect and this feed-forward loop that's going to affect how you feel, how you think. And the more you train then, the better you feel. And that, that loop just continues. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is John Sane here for the Expansive Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode where we discuss everything to do with living a more expansive life, both personally as well as in your business. I am an author, a keynote speaker, and a future strategist, and I'm always joined by my ever-handsome uh, co-host who's in today in Barcelona. And uh, Eric Kruger, if you don't know, is a very successful author, keynote speaker and team bit what 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 is it team what consultant coach team yeah he helps organizations he helps organizations build better teams here we go and i think That's obviously such a such a such a crucial thing for most businesses to have better teams but uh, all the way from Barcelona, Eric, how are you doing there? What's happening? Hey, this is a this is a nice change. Uh, I am back in it's Cape Town and you're traveling. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Tell us um, about it. Would have been even better if we were meeting up because uh, we were our paths were colliding while we were traveling. Oh, that'd be great. Good. Yes. Um, so that we'll we'll put that into the uh, unknown. Uh, into the that. intention. Into, into the, the intention, intention box. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were just laughing off, off air because um, I was listening to a podcast on the way over here and it was just the most random, like they were talking about random things that occurred in history that led to us where we are today. So like uh, they're talking about the, the doctor that was trying to create some antibiotic or something and he ended up creating LSD. Yes, that's he was right. Tripping, tripping on his way home on his bicycle, you know. Bless him um, and his soul <laughs> for creating LSD. <laughs> and then uh, the other example they gave was and like we were saying, we're not sure if this is really true. We haven't fact-checked this at all. But apparently, so everyone in Barcelona says Barcelona. And they were saying that what happened was, back in the day, one of the kings had a lisp. And so he pronounced it Barcelona. And he mandated that everyone also <laughs> yeah. calls it Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's That's true. It's, it's a cool little story. It um, is a cool but yeah, story. It's been, it's been really cool. Um, crashing with uh, one of my oldest friends, Madness. Um, he used to be a very successful South African entrepreneur. He's moved to Barcelona a while ago, um, living an incredible life here. We saw him in his apartment for two days, then going to a wedding, and then, most importantly, getting back to the two boys at home. I've uh, been missing them dearly, so I can't wait to get back. And when um, he says yeah, two boys, we mean two dogs, just by the way, for yes, anybody listening Axel to this for the first time. Yes, yes, yes. Eric and I are both dog lovers in a major way. Mm. Tell me uh, what's happening for you. Yes, all good. I'm uh, planning my Italy trip next week, Friday. It begins, and then I'm going to Turkey, and so I've got quite a bit of an adventure ahead. But uh, I'm really been focusing in on um, optimal well-being, and I and I tell you why is when I came off the high of Mexico and being with Dr. Joe and traveling and doing all those things, I had an incredibly easy time of changing my brain and becoming conscious of my unconscious thoughts, and. I was riding on the tire and then I did all the book launches and then I crashed. And what I'd done is I depleted my energy uh, to such a way that I was, I literally had to get into bed and I had to, and I had to like, just like sleep it out. Right. 
But what I found while I was in that exhaustion and fatigued phase was very difficult for me to have the right mindset. I kept finding myself trapped in old ways of thinking. And I realized that if I'm not able to manage my energy, my, my force, my life force, my soul force, I then fall back into old patterns. And if you mm. think about what it means to be optimally energized, it means that you are bright, um, full of life, and you've got lots of light inside your being, right? And the minute you start getting dimmer, your light dims, your energy dims. And now all of a sudden you're back at that old radio station. You're not at the new radio station. Mm. You're, quite, you're quite literally not plugged into this new vibrational energy stream that you know is accessible to you. Mm. And so again, this morning, you know, I was meditating and just for a, like a few, like a few minutes before the meditation, I started finding myself thinking like old John. Like I was in trouble, I wasn't successful enough, and I realized that I was just a little bit tired. And the minute I came out of my meditation, I had rewired myself again to feel safe and to feel like I am successful, which is the story I need to keep telling myself, but so easy when I'm energized and almost impossible when I'm tired. And I think that's the topic we want to actually unpack in today's session is optimal well-being what does it look like what do you do for it how does it affect the way you think and the way you perceive yourself and your future because if you're coming at it from a point of fatigue and adrenaline fueled anxiousness let me tell you the future is a horrible place a horrible horrible place mm. what are your thoughts there, eric yeah I, I, um, I was quickly googling because uh, it reminded me of something i heard a while ago have you heard of the the halt acronym no so um, it's something they use for in recovery for people who are recovering from addiction. And uh, it's when you enter into a, like a vulnerable space. So like once you start seeing these things, um, like if, you, if you're feeling angry or anything like that, it might be because of, of these four states that you've entered into. And it's, hung, so it's halt, it's hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Oh, my God. Hey? Wow. Yes. So, wow. so the idea is that so you have to halt when when you when you see yourself acting in a certain way. The first thing you need to diagnose is to go back. Well, am I like hangry? Right? Like, are you? Yeah. Are you hangry? And, and mm -hmm. like you were saying, if you are not optimally fed, yeah, it could have a very big impact on you. Um, angry, obviously. Lonely, obviously. Like all of these are just um, triggers, I think, for entering that state of mind that you were describing. Wow, I didn't even know this was cheese. I thought I'd made a big discovery of humans and now this is like an obvious thing. <laughs> Damn it, I'm, I'm both excited and irritated. But I love the fact that this is, it, it's so obvious for me now that I've experienced it and it's not even just hungry. You know what I've also done is I've recently gone to an Ayurvedic specialist that's helped me understand my body type. There's three different body types, right? There's water, fire, air. And I am fire with some water. And she explained to me when I should eat, what I should eat. And the reason I'm having late night snacks with sugar is two reasons. One is because I'm not eating enough during the day, especially over lunchtime. And what she told me was really interesting. She said, you should eat when the sun is the brightest. Your solar plex, which is exactly like the sun, is at its peak between 12, or between 11 and 2. 
So you should eat your biggest meal between 11 and 2 when the solar is at its strongest and so is your solar plex. So mm. your body is almost in line with what's going on here. And then also what happens is you then don't need to snack at the end of the day because you've got your calories in. So it's not only just about being hungry. It's about being hungry for the right things being put into your body. So the nutrition that's right for you. And I'm not saying meat or not meat or salad or not salad, none of that. No. Is are you eating right for your type of body? So if I eat too much dates or meat or sugar uh, and and coffee, my body doesn't deal well because they're all very hot foods, and that doesn't deal with my body because it's a hot body. It's like, and, and I mean that in two ways: hot a body, <laughs> it's a fire body. But um, um, understanding the nuances and the intelligence of your body and playing according to them to create optimal wealth, uh, well-being. Um. I think it's it's one of those things that you keep rediscovering, right? Is that the way that you look after your body has such a tremendous impact on your emotional well-being and on on your um, the, your ability to think. And we so while we were here, we were um, staying at, at Danica's parents, and her brother was there as well. And you know, when someone goes into like a new diet, they it's like they've converted into a new religion, and yes. they like tell you about it nonstop, and they. They actually become quite knowledgeable in a very short amount of time because they just research the hell of it, uh, yes. out of it. Yes. And so um, he's gone through this this period now. I think over the past year or two, where he's lost like thirty kgs. So wow. It's been like yeah, it's been a big thing for him. You know, very focused, very like he's waking up in the morning, he's eating like sauerkraut for breakfast. You know. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, getting his gut right. Okay. Getting his gut right. Um, and he said something that I thought is uh, that's quite important, and that. Um, is a, maybe a bit of a sign of the, the modern times we live in is that we, you know, obviously we eat like all these convenient foods and we, we don't put all that much intention into what we are put, like placing into our bodies. And then what happens is that you maybe listen to a podcast like this. Uh, you have a, a big episode somewhere where you faint and you're like, oh, I need to get my body right. Or you, you listen to someone who's gone through this transformation and you're like, I want to ha have the transformation as well. And then you become a little bit more deliberate with your, your eating. And for a little bit, you may be slumping down, like you, you feel a bit less energy. And then all of a sudden, it feels like you're peaking. Like you, you all of a sudden feel so clear and so mentally focused. And you're like, this feels great. And you're like, you know, the food has lifted me to this higher state. But he was saying, actually, what happens often is that all that's happened is the brain fog has disappeared. Mm. Like you think you've lifted to a higher state. Actually, all that's happened <clears throat> is you've returned back Oh my God. You should be operating. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, that's actually, I, I totally see that. Wow. That is exactly right. Is that we have poisoned ourselves almost. Mm. We're poisoning ourselves. And so because of that lack of energy to see things in more optimistic ways, we just become depressed, but it's because mm. of what we're putting in our bodies. Yeah. We, wow. This is such a big topic, you know, as you start uncovering it. And, you know, I sometimes see people in the audience when I'm speaking about things, they are exhausted. Mm. And for me to say to them that they need to do something else or stop doing something, they almost get angry with me. Yeah, And yeah. it's because they've been in, in this sort of constantly putting crap into their bodies, thinking in crap ways. It's almost like this incredibly destructive loop-de-loop it's like, mm. I feel bad, I'll drink more to numb myself, eat shit food so that I can get over this, like get away from what I've, what's happened this week. And then in the same way, poison myself to not be able to think out of my fog. Mm. The, um, 
you know, we, we've been talking a lot about this, this pattern ultimately that you create through thinking, feeding, and acting. And, and your actions here is also just, um, I mean, it's the action of eating, but you can also just think about that as your physical body, right? And so the moment you have that, this model in your head of thinking, feeling, and acting, and all these things are interrelated, and anything you do that's different at any point in that model mm. is going to have a knock-on effect onto everything else. Mm. And so the easiest example, like, uh, you know, you start thinking a bit more optimistically about the world. Mm. Cool. Or, or let's, let's do it the other way around. You wake up in the morning and you embody the feeling of being a bit more optimistic. You go for a run, you listen to music, mm. you feel great. Your thinking starts becoming a little bit clearer. Your actions are a bit more effective. And we get that, that forward, feed forward loop, right? But you can also interrupt that pattern. I think that's what we're saying here. Is that you can also interrupt that pattern at the level of the physical then. So mm. without even changing your thinking specifically, without changing your emotion specifically, the moment you start, because that's actually why they call exercise a keystone habit or a cornerstone habit, mm. is because the moment you start changing that and you start feeling better because of the exercise, for mm. example, it has this knock-on effect and this feed-forward loop that's going to affect how you feel, how you mm. think. And mm. the more you train then, the better you feel, the better you feel, the yeah. more optimistic you think, or whatever. And that, that loop just continues. So mm. I think it's... Um, it, it's a good reminder for me that this model of thinking, feeling, and acting, which is really the, the building blocks of everything that you are, if you zoom out, what you see in life as someone who is successful or someone who is failing, someone who is stuck in a rut or someone who is uh, progressing forward, that's the zoomed out version. When you zoom in, what you are seeing are patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting. And those patterns can be, need to be interrupted continuously, and they can be interrupted at any of those levels. So you get to choose kind of where you want to start it. And, uh, but, but creating the environment, the physical environment, is, I think, a very powerful way of kickstarting the process. Yes, this is so good. Eh? I mean, I, I, you know, I, for all the listeners, you know, we don't really prepare for these talks. And um, I'm, I, we riff through them. And I'm just learning so much from the way you've broken it down. And thank you for explaining it to me in a, in a different way, because that really makes a lot of sense. You know, if, if you think about this think, act, and feel, it's, it's, it's almost got to be also a timeless process of thinking, acting, and feeling. And, and by this, what I mean is last night I watched a interview with Tom Cruise from 2004. And in it, he is asked some very personal questions about his background and his father who the, the mother had four kids. He was one with three sisters and the father left and there was some tumultuous breakup. And then they never saw the father again. And they had a very tough time. The first Christmas together didn't have enough money for presents and didn't have to just, they just made it through for food. And when the interviewer was asking him what it was like, he never once, not once did he speak about his past like a victim. Not once, every time they, and, and the interviewer was quite a drama queen because he kept trying to poke some sort of pain out of him mm. and he would turn the question around and goes, but I loved it. I loved it. It taught me this, this, and this. And then if I, I started listening and then what he said was he heard his dad was dying and he hadn't seen his dad for 12 years. And he went to go see his dad and he said his dad gave him one rule. I don't want to talk about the past. And he agreed to the rule and went to go see his dad. And when he sat there and spoke to his dad, he said, I wasn't looking at him like a dad. I was looking at him as a man who had made some mistakes. Mm. And I was compassionate 
for the mistakes that he's made. Yeah, sure. And I just thought the wisdom and the power of Tom Cruise that we often like to get caught up in the the bullshit of social media. Oh, he jumped on a couch 20 years ago, so now everybody thinks he's crazy. Or everybody says Tom Cruise, oh, he's, he's a Scientologist, so he's weird. Dude, stop worrying about those things. Mm. Watch what he's doing. He's 60 years old. He looks like he's 35, mm. and he looks better than anybody. And the approach he has in his ability to be optimal in his emotional well-being when it comes to his past, his present, and the future was mind-blowing and inspiring to me last night. And so when you talk about these things, about thinking, acting, and feeling, it's not just in the now. It's about how do you think about your past? Mm. And if you invalidate your past, so you think about your past as a victim, you make that your truth in today and in tomorrow. And you know, yeah. that's... Sure. Oh. Yeah, that's anyway. great. You know what? Um, it's also that you can actually see when someone is intentional and deliberate. Like when you watch that interview with Tom yeah. Cruise mm. and you hear the way he, he's speaking about it, you can see that that's someone who's done a certain level of work. Mm. That the way he's thinking, feeling, and acting is a very deliberate mm. process. Um, very deliberate. So, yeah. And I think that, you know, we can actually judge a lot of how deliberate people are by just what we see from them. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And, um, you know, just to tie this up is, I decided this morning to go see my dad and I haven't seen my dad for 20 years based on a lot of things uh, based on, I think the interview was the pinnacle point of me seeing my dad, not as my dad, Mm. seeing as my dad, as a man that made some mistakes. Mm. And I think if you can see your parents as not your parents, but as adults that weren't perfect, just like you aren't perfect. And the fact that he made some mistakes like I made some mistakes. And if I can see him like that, I can be more compassionate towards what has happened in our lives. And I can also then think about my past in a more optimistic and more emotionally aware process. Mm. So, yes. um, Yeah. So yeah, going to go and see him in Turkey and uh, I'm going with my brother who also I haven't spoken to for many years and now I've mended that relationship. And so as I do my more thinking, acting and feeling, it's not just about thinking and acting and feeling in the present moment, but really thinking about the past and forgiving all of it and seeing it as a positive sort of, sort of, I don't know, what do you, what do you say? Uh, uh, trigger points or catalysts into who I am today and being grateful mm-hmm. for them, you know? Um, a bit of a side note. I think this is something that you are very good at, which is to, because when it comes to healing relationships, mm. it's, it's a very difficult process because usually the wounds run quite deep, mm. but it's also a very difficult process because there's a lot of ego involved. Mm. And, um, and I think you are actually really good at that. Like, I mean, you have relationships today that when we started out, there was quite a bit of animosity in those relationships <laughs> yes, yes. and, and you've gone through a process and there are some of those are some great relationships from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think it's because it's, you are able to put ego aside or what do you think is, uh, it's a bit of a tangent from what we were speaking about, but what do you think is, it, um, like, what ability do you have that, or what, what is the thing that helps you to, to do that, to mend those relationships? When I take full responsibility for the relationship breaking down, mm. it, it's, it's, it's 100% my responsibility to 
to understand what I projected and expected out of that relationship and how it didn't, it didn't achieve what I wanted it to achieve. And then I took it as personal that it didn't achieve what it achieved. And, and I know the relationships you're talking about. And in fact, all the relationships you're talking about that you know of, I mended all those relationships by me saying it was all my shit. Mm. I've used the same line and I genuinely mean it because those people are multifaceted people and everybody's a multifaceted person and how I project something onto somebody is how they reflect back onto me. So if I'm thinking that like I'm, I'm expecting somebody to let me down because of my past experiences or I think somebody is driving an agenda based on my projection onto that person. And then I find something that confirms that in me. Then I'm like, yeah, I'm upset with that person. Mm. But, but the person just doing what they're doing, you know, I'm picking up what I want to pick up from them, you know? And so I've been able to mend all the relationships. I, I, look, the closest relationships in my life were my father and my brother that were not mended for decades. They just mm. were bad relationships, but it was really my own demons that I was working with in my head, blaming them, not taking responsibility for my side of it. And also realizing every relationship is healable when you arrive with compassion in your heart, every single one. My, my other question then is why heal them at all? Because like your paths could just split and never come back together. Like none of those relationships had to come back into your life for a specific reason, right? So why heal them at all? Because just go your be, separate ways. Yeah, because I think it doesn't mean that I'm friends with all of them. It just means that when I think of them and they think of me, there's a warm energy between us. Mm. That's all. There isn't a broken or shattered energy. So think about anybody from your past, Eric, that you haven't mended with. Now, what do you feel when you think about them? It's like a, it's almost mm. literally shard glass. It's like, almost like that. You know, when like a, it's spiky. There isn't a, there isn't an elegant ending. And when I, I've got a very good friend who is getting divorced right now. And it's been a 14 year marriage. He's a very good friend. He's like one of my closest friends. And he went furniture shopping with his ex-wife for his new apartment. And I said to him, I said, you know, bro, that is the most elegant separation I have ever witnessed in my life. What you are giving your children is an example of not only trying your hardest in a relationship, but ending it in a way that is so compassionate and so, I just, there's no better word than elegant. And I'm so inspired by it. So I think the process of mending relationships is important to leave it with a sweet taste in your mouth rather than a bitter taste in your mouth. Mm. That's why. Listen. I think that's great. Um, and I think we can, we can leave it right there. I actually enjoyed this, this episode that we um, jumped between topics a bit. Um, yeah. Maybe we should do that a bit more in the future as well. Let's just have a list of topics and just go through a few different topics instead of like one topic for it. A, per episode. You know what I mean? Good. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Because we often come I, across like interesting things that like just mm. like a, a podcast over here, books I read over yeah. here, a situation I saw here. And I think it might be cool just to share those as a quick fire round kind of in mm. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like mm. that we're also doing our strategy live on the podcast. So that's also very yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so here are the behind the scenes and in front of the scenes of how all of this comes together. 
It's wonderful to have all of you in our kitchen while we're cooking everything before you see it in the food in the restaurant. Um, well, thank you very much for listening to this expansive podcast. Uh, it's always a honor and a privilege that last week, I think what was it? We had one, like a few thousand people who've downloaded it just in the last few weeks. It's always incredible. I, I'm still just like absolutely delighted and surprised with the fact that so many people give up their time to listen. So, so grateful for your time and your energy. If you think this could help anybody else, please do share it. If you haven't left us a subscription or a five star or whatever it is, please go and do that across all the socials. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you again next week. And we'll both be back in Cape Town. And the following yeah. one, I'll be in Switzerland. or oh, no, no, Italy. And I'll be doing it from then. But until then, be expansive in both your personal and business life. Ciao.